Hi, this is Anthony Esposito from the infamous Ace Freely Band. Hello, my name is Blaze Bailey. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Hey everyone, this is Dave Menachetti from YNT. This is Dave Starr from Wildstar. What's up, this is Doc Coyle from the band God Forbid. Alright, this is Jason from uh, Kings of Modesty. What's happening? This is Jeremy Goldberg from Age of Evil. Hey, what's up? This is Joey Z from Life of Agony. Hey, what's up? This is Mercedes from Kitty. I'm Rasmus Bluberg from New Keepers of the Water Towers. Hey, this is Tim Ripper Owens. Hey, this is Steven from I Wrestled a Bear Once. Hey, this is Tara. And this is Ivy. And we're half of Kitty. Hey, this is Wolf from the Chariot. This is Bobby Bliss from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hi, this is Robert Flushman. Hey, everybody. This is Bobby Rock. Hey, this is Zach from Nonpoint. Hey, this is Frank from New Revolution. And you're listening to Mars Attack. Hey, this is Robbie Crane from Rat, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Go get Welcome, one and all, to episode 11 of Mars Attack's podcast. I am your host, Victor, bringing you two new interviews this week. First one will be Frank from A New Revolution, who uh, you can hear their band in the background, their first single. You can hear Head Against the Wall coming off of the album iMerica and after the Frank segment you'll hear from bass player Robbie Crane from Rat and uh, what we'll do is we'll let this song play out play the interview play a little more A New Revolution intro Robbie and then get on with that interview so without further ado this is A New Revolution with Head Against the Wall I feel the weight of all the world across my chest Like a cigarette, it burns and stinks with every breath I grab my cheek to stone, I put my tongue to hold Every word that I'm thinking I lost my head in a hole, I lost my heart in my soul With every word that I'm bleeding I keep begging my, I keep begging my We have Frank, the bass player for A New Revolution. We're going to go over a bunch of different questions with him. Hopefully uh, not bore him to death with the same old, same old, and uh, see what uh, see what's going on with A New Revolution, uh, who had just put an album out this week. So, uh, Frank, you were previously in Slaves on Dope. In your opinion, yes, why, why didn't things work out with that band? Um, I think um, what ended up happening is the band dissolved because, well, I mean, I know it dissolved because the singer, for personal reasons, decided to end the band and uh, call it a day. And so, you know, kind of, we had to just put it to bed and that was the end of it. It just wasn't, there was no, uh, there was no options after that. We just couldn't keep on without the, without the singer at that point. So that was it. Okay. And it, there's no animosity towards him or anything, or was was there? No, I, no, no. I mean, everybody wishes everybody the best. I mean, it's uh, it's a long time ago, so it's a lot of you know, time flies and time passes. And you you everybody moves on, and you start working on uh, on bigger and better things. 
Okay, cool. Um, so how did a new revolution come about then? Um, actually, Rob and myself were in Slaysondo, uh New Joey, because we had toured together from Unloco, and uh mutual friend kind of recommended that we would go, we, we should, Rob and I should go to Austin and jam with and write with Joey and record some jams and see what happens. And sure enough, we did. And uh, within a few weeks, few months time, actually, we're really, it really gelled well. And we wrote some great songs, recorded an EP and, and then went off on the road. And that's how it kind of happened. Okay, cool. Um, and what experience did you take from Slaves on Dope and bring into a new revolution? Were there any specific things that you wanted to avoid from the get-go or certain things where you wanted to sort of uh, expand upon that you had done in Slaves on Dope? Well, I think, I think whatever, whenever you have an opportunity to, to tour professionally and have be on big tours like OzFest or you know, open up for uh, big bands, and uh, you always, you always try to take that and use that to your advantage in whatever future endeavors. And I think, uh, being that uh, the band uh, was, you know, comprised of three members who had a lot of professional touring experience, that helped us kind of get rekindle contacts and call up past promoters and venues and be able to kind of network again and uh, let people everybody know that we have uh, we had a new band out at the time it's called you know a new revolution right okay and actually you mentioned ozfest both slaves and unloco were on ozfest correct. correct yeah yeah absolutely so that's how the you guys hooked up with um with joey no Nicholas? actually uh we uh right after unloco did ozfest in 2003 we okay. did a uh a tour with unloco and that's how we kind of all met and became friends okay um, let's see. Why did you guys choose to work with Ben on this album? Uh, Ben, we know Ben for a long time. Um, uh, Joey knows Ben from quite a while back. And, uh, we know Ben from about five years ago. We, uh, when he took out Switched and we did a short run and Revolution supported Switched. And, uh, it was kind of a, it was kind of an interesting tour. We hadn't, you know, we, one of our first tours and, Ben Ben was great, and we hit it off, and we said, yeah, let's work together at some point, and uh, we did, and uh, called him up, and we he did a great job. I think Ben kicked ass in the album. He did a really incredible job. Okay, cool. And um, as far as the songwriting process is concerned, how do the songs come together with the band? Is there one main songwriter? Do you guys all bring things to the table? Or... We all contribute. Okay. We all contribute. Joey Joey's a lyricist, so, you know, his... his uh, concepts is his songs come from you know his lyrics come from where he's where where he's at at the time or what he's hearing experiencing reading uh, living um and so we all we all kind of either help him out or we you know like i tend to kind of give my two cents on things sometimes or and but riff wise uh, i like to i like to bring up a lot of the riffs and and so does joey as well okay and um, the writing and recording process, how long did Imerica take to write and put together? Um, I think we started writing some songs in early April of last year. And the process from completion was pretty much done in November. And uh, so, you know, we took some breaks, played some shows in between, wrote some more songs. Uh, intensely wrote songs over the over last summer, late late last summer, and then hopped in the studio with Ben in October, and uh, wrapped you know did six weeks with Ben and wrapped up the album. Right. Okay. And does going out and playing help sort of you know refuel the juices to go back and and write material, or do you guys feel that you uh, are better off separating the gigs from actual uh, writing? Yeah, experience? we're we're very much a church and state type band. Like we don't like to. Uh, when we're touring, we really don't really get into the writing mode. Maybe someday that'll change, but we like to, when we're on the road, we're on the road focusing on live, and when we're writing, we're focused on writing. Okay. And did you set set out to do something specific with this album? Was there a specific goal that you guys were looking for, or did each song sort of just come into its own as you were recording it? Um, you know, what's interesting is when we first thought of the album title, for example, we said, well, you know, I'm America, you know, the whole play on words with the iPhone and all the i stuff. And, right. And I think um, that kind of 
kind of grew and morphed into something else as the content and the lyrics and and uh, theme of the album just started to kind of grow into its own in a way. Mm-hmm. We actually started to see the album have a, an identity um, because we were hearing stories and life on the road and kind of meeting a lot of our fans and friends and telling us you know, the current state of the world and the economy right now. And the, in America, obviously, it's, been, uh, it's a tough go. And everybody's got, whether you're on side A or side B, it's uh, you're, uh, everybody's got a story to tell. And uh, I think we have one as well. So with the, with the stories that we've heard and seen, as well as our stories, uh, it really came out to be a very complete, um, you know, story, storied album. Very good story mm-hmm. on the album to tell. Okay, and you actually uh, uh, took care of one of the other questions that I had all there in one shot. So <laughs> nice, good. I would like that. Um, as far as the first single, the first single, or first single, excuse me, uh, is "Head Against the Wall." Uh, why did you guys choose to release that as the first single, and were there any other songs taken into consideration? Um, I think when we were thinking about the single, that one against the wall was unanimous as the first single, but I think we really wanted to come in with something that was representing the new album a lot like the way Dunn did on the last album as the first single. And, you know... It, in a way, Head Against the Wall was the birth of America. It was the first song written. So it was kind of fitting that, uh, and it you know, sets the tone for the album in a way. Um, you know, grinding, heavy grinding, um, you know, constantly moving type of type of song. Right, okay. And uh, my personal favorite off of the album is Ashes from Stone. Um, oh, can, cool. Yeah. Can, can you tell us anything about that specific track? Interesting. I wrote that lyric line. Ah, no kidding. And, uh, yeah, um, I just, you know, was thinking about, uh, you know, how, I guess it's an analogy, or or maybe for for somebody who's, you know, who's always who's always who's always running away from, you know, uh, what's going on, or you know, mm-hmm. something that's going on at home, but you know, or something that that you know, everybody's got problems. You try to run away from them, but you always find it. It always finds you. Right. You know? So it's. Um, that's that's that was one of the the themes of it, and, and that's how uh, that song came together. And uh, that that's that, that's uh, I like that song. It's uh, we're 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 hopefully going to be able to. Right now we're supporting Taproot, so it's kind of hard to play a lot of our our new stuff. We will kind of have to mishmash, mishmash it with some of the old stuff to keep until we I guess consistently can have people hear the album more and be familiar with it. Kind of a, a good balance of right now we're playing a fifty fifty in the set. Okay. Um, are there any specific songs off of this album that you are playing? Can Can you mention that, or you'd rather yeah. keep that a secret? No, right? absolutely. I mean, you know, we're we're kind of, you know, Ashes from Stone is in the set list, but sometimes we have to remove it, depending on how much time we have every night. But, right. um, you know, that that one we enjoy playing live. Uh, Broken Bones is, you know, that we haven't played it live yet, but we're we're hoping to, to uh, introduce it to the set, into the set pretty soon. Um, definitely head against the wall. We play a song called Brick by Brick, and we also play, from the new album, we play uh, uh, Life. Okay. Uh, we kind of we kind of we kind of stick to the older, uh, sorry, stick to the, the heavier songs in the album. Okay. Um, I just think, you know, when we headline, we'll be able to play more of everything. You know. Okay. I, I guess so. you feel that that material comes across better with this tour that you're doing now? Yeah, you know, Destrophy and, you know, we're playing with Iceman Kills and Taproot and so it's kind of a heavier vibe tour and uh, I think it, it has the ability to bring uh, I mean, we're, we're, what we're, our goal is to, you know, keep it moving keep it loud, keep it chanting so, you know, I mean, at this point too, a lot of the people don't know the song so we right. could be playing any one of the 11 songs and I think people would be either still a little bit getting comfortable and used to it Mm-hmm. But until that, until we know, obviously, as a musician, you want to play every one of your new songs before you play your old ones. Right. But you still have to realize that you have to play some of your old ones. Right, right, right. I, I got you. Yeah, and I mean, I'm lucky enough to have had the album for about, you know, a month and a half. You know, oh, lucky you. Good for you, bro. <laughs> but outside of that, you know, obviously the fans, the, the album just came out this past Tuesday. So as you're saying, you know. Uh, people are just getting acclimated with the new songs and, and, you know, it's probably the, the best way of going about putting the, 
the set list together. Whereas the you know tour goes on, more people will probably you know dig the newer songs, and you'll be able to uh, to to put them in there. Yeah, I mean you know the the, the, the I guess the I want to say crappy part is the one you're supporting. You're really you know you're really handcuffed. You right. Know? So you have to kind of. I, I can imagine that if as the as we keep because we'll probably be supporting a little more in the summer and maybe kind of roll into maybe a, a different slots throughout the year and where we're playing a little more. Right. Um, you know, more we have more of a set set time. But as you know, as it progresses, I think we probably start start to eliminate a lot more of the older ones. Okay. And kind of you know stick to a few uh, maybe two or three three or three at most old songs uh, four tops. And uh, you know, then the rest of the album, would, the rest of the, the set list would be new songs. So, so could we potentially see you do like some of uh, these classic bands, where you play the entire album uh, at some point and then throw in a few older songs? I'd love to do that. I just, uh, I think you get have a lot of pissed off fans. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just the ones that really want to hear the the staples. You know, uh, but right. I, you know, I could see it happening though. I could see us just interjecting like. Uh, you know, like I said, a two or three are, you know, the the songs that we feel we would absolutely want to play, and then from there we'd go, okay, the rest of the the rest of the set's new stuff. I mean, obviously, you know, the album does extremely well. That's going to happen on its own. Sure, Cause sure, nobody's gonna, absolutely. Because you're a new fan. You know, we sold a limited amount to the first album, so if you have a lot more people that purchase the second album or know know your new material, mm-hmm. what you end up happening is you have to you have to play more of your new stuff. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, that only makes sense that if you know you have a bigger Correct. album yeah. on your hands, you're gonna have. Yeah, I remember to, Sugar uh, seeing Sugar Ray opening up for 311 uh, right before Fly came out. Right. And um, I remember, you know, I knew all their stuff from Lemonade and Brownies, and right. you know all their older stuff, and and uh, nobody else knew it in that place because all they wanted to hear was the stuff off the new album and RPM and Fly. So it's like you know you're you're you're, you're kind of. And then eventually, obviously, they just played new stuff. I think I, I barely, I, I don't think they ever even, after that, you're lucky if you heard any of the older stuff. Right, so no Mean Machine or Iron Mike is going on during yeah, the Yeah, exactly. Mean Machine's a great song. Big Black Woman. Big Black Woman, there you go. Oh, yeah. I love that song. Yeah, that first album really kicks ass. It's funny when a lot of people uh, start talking about that band. I said, have you ever checked out the first album? Because... You know, to me, uh, just the aggression on that album, and it isn't overly produced or anything. And and I like no, that second it's album. Very like the, and that snot vibe. You know, it's like that yeah. whole, yeah. you know, SoCal type of. Uh, and it's it's not punk, but it, it was metal punk before, right before the the the, the new rap metal movement. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so that yeah. was a it was a it was a short run, limited run, limited run of music, but uh, it was really awesome to hear that. Yeah. Uh, absolutely cool. And I think, you know, the neat thing about that band, too, is um, when they interview a lot of the members, they're really open to pretty much everything. They understand, you know, what they're popular for, but also don't sort of discredit their past where a lot of other bands have reached that success and, you know, uh, sort of try to shun away things that don't fit the mold that are currently allowing them to sell. So what should people, in your opinion, be listening to right now? Outside of a new revolution, um, you know, like there's there's a lot of good music out there in terms of what's out. You know, in terms of the bands, I mean, uh, uh, it's it's tough because you know a lot of the bands are my friends, like bands that we've toured with, like the Drowning right. Pools, the Non Points, and you know, there's, there's there's a band called Seasons After right now that's doing kind of well and. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's uh, there's 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 a lot of five finger death punch. You know, they're they're uh, those guys are kicking ass, and there's so much stuff out there that I that I think is really representing this genre. Okay. I almost feel like this is the new alternative. Right. Because um, you know, with indie and and the other alternative being so like mainstream now, but I feel like I feel like this music actually sits, whatever you want to call it, heavy rock, yeah. hard uh, metal, or or whatever the whatever you want to segregate it, however you want to you know right. kind of judge it or call it. Um, I think this music has there's an incredibly you know uh, big network of bands, but we don't work on the on on the front where you know like Limp Bizkit ten years ago sell, sells you know 1.4 million records first week. You know those days are over. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Bands like us now we're we just you know and just go out there and. You know, do uh, 
and, and tour together and, and go out and, and play great shows. I mean, you look at all the, you know, the, the even, you know, the, the shine downs. I mean, Seven Dust, I mean, to me, that, that's the band I was just slipped my mind. But Seven Dust to me is the epitome of what any band, of what you should be listening to. They're just one of the, one, one of the bands that has done so much for the music scene in terms of our music scene over the last 10, 12 years or so, if not more than that. Right. And uh, just, just a, you know, big influence on this band, I'll tell you that much. And we're hoping to be out with them in the fall. Uh, if all goes well, we'd love to be touring with them again. And so it's, uh, there's, there's so many bands in our genre that, you know, that, that also too, you know, we, we've, we've become uh, friends with. And, you know, those, those are the bands that I think that uh, people should be listening to right now. Okay, cool. And um, what expectations outside of possibly touring with Seven Dust in the fall do you have for the band for the rest of 2010? Uh, we'd love to get uh, out to España. We'd love to get out there and uh, you know and then play and play out in Europe. Uh, we'd love to be. Uh, we'd love to get more of a worldwide presence. It's always difficult because you focus so much on North America. Right. Uh, but we'd really like to be out there. That would be a huge. Uh, goal to accomplish and we'd be very very happy if that would happen cool yeah would love to see you guys come out here as well we have uh plenty of festivals going on the next uh oh, i love few it few months so love it. you guys are lucky you guys get real festivals our festivals here i'm not going to say they're not the same it's just it's very cookie cutter you know so you have to follow the mold your festivals right. are like all over the place and, and interesting and unique it's just a different mentality it's very open in europe Right. The mentality is very open, and uh, you know, being of European heritage, my family's from Italy. And, right. You know, you could have a festival where you have pop acts and hard rock acts, and you know, everybody kind of meshing together. Yeah, we had a festival last year that I went to. Had Gojira, uh, Marilyn Manson, Hatebreed, uh, Cradle of Filth, and Journey. So. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's, <laughs> you, you, it's so all over the place that you know, but I don't, I don't think it's bad. I really right. don't. I think it's it's a mentality thing. I think here it's like, man, that sucks, man. I can't tour. You can't can't tour with Kill Switching. You're not heavy enough. And I'm like, who the fuck are you to tell me that? Yeah. I'm not allowed to swear now, but uh, no, no, you can swear. Cool. I mean, who are you to tell me that I can't tour with any band? Right. You know what I mean? Who's to say why? Because you're building this, you know, this false altered, you know, click that you think is your own. Right. And you know, but unfortunately. It's it's that gang mentality that happens where it's like no man if you know, twenty of us don't like this band and twenty we can tell twenty more not to like them and they shouldn't tour with this band you know or tour, tour with our favorite band right 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 yeah I got you and and you know it's funny because most of the people that come up with nonsense like that are usually you know people over the web it's never band to band where you hear things like that you know the, the bands usually no, always band, get I along mean, you know what I'll take an example like Project Revolution I'm sure you were around back then when it was when it was touring right. here in the country. Mm-hmm. And you'd have everything. You'd have like, you know, uh, rap, rap, metal. Mm-hmm. You'd have rock, all in one. I mean, yes, it's all you know, rock, kind of oriented in terms of what what the new nu- the, 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 the the nucleus of the tour. But still, those tours are the best. Right. It's when you start to it's when you start to pit, do these pigeonhole tours. How do you expect if if five of the same like bands tour together? Mm-hmm. How do you expect to go from a different pool. You're all going to be you're drawing the same people. You can't you can't you can't play to five thousand people a night. Right. When you're five bands that are all playing to the same people, you're going to play to. You're only going to draw a thousand people. Yeah, and and to an extent, yeah. you know, so, some of those bands are all going to sound alike as well. So. Yeah, and it's know. not going to make for an interesting night. I mean, and, yeah. and I, 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 as odd as it sounds, uh, one of our uh, good friends of ours, Kitty, mm-hmm. is currently on the road with ICP. ICP, and yeah, yeah. Coolio's on that, or. I don't, I don't know who's on it, but apparently that tour is doing amazing for them. Yeah. And everybody was, was worried about Kitty doing poor and, you know, having to deal with the juggalos and stuff. And it's like, you know what? I think it was a smart move for for, yeah. for ICP to have Kitty on. And I, I don't think it was uh, it was going to do anybody any harm. I think it's all in good fun. And, you know, ICP is all in good fun anyway. Yeah. Even though it seems like it's, you know, it's got, you know, the, the gangster thing going on or whatever that vibe is. But, I you know, those tours will always do well as long as you, you, you keep it interesting and you throw a little curveball. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that I was able to interview the um, uh, IV and Tara from Kitty a few months back, and they were thrilled to be going out with ICP. So, you know, that tour had 
really has to make for a fun, interesting, you know, night, as you're saying, because you have so much diversity there. So. Yeah, I think I think again it keeps it interesting. Now, if you don't want to yep. watch, you don't. But if you do, you watch the whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in order that I don't get a million uh, emails of people complaining that I didn't ask this, um, what gear are you using? Ah, the ever the everlasting gear question. Um, <laughs> you know what's interesting is we, we're you know we're we're uh, we've played out everything. I mean, uh, right now. Uh, we got Randall amps, uh, guitar amps. Mm-hmm. Randall guitar mm-hmm. amps. We have. Um, I have a Randall bass head. Uh, we're using using Pearl stuff, uh, Sabian cymbals. Um, pretty much guitar wise, we've we've been playing. We've been using ESPs for for a while now. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean you know we're we're all over the place. I mean you know uh, in terms of exclusivity, it's you know. I don't want to go there really because you know we're not, you know we're not Metallica where we have to exclusively play or whoever else we are who has to exclusively you know our own signature models. I mean right. right now that's what we're playing you know and you know we you know we uh, that's that's the, the stuff we're playing on right now. Okay, so you're using more or less an ESP or do you have you know any custom pickups in that or anything or it's just pretty well, much. Well, we have. Top? I think we're all uh, we're all equipped with EMGs in them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, and uh, as I mentioned before, the album just came out this week. Where do you want people to go to buy the album? Do you want them to buy it um, online? Do well, you I mean, you know, iTunes is obviously you got you got Amazon, you got iTunes, you got Fye in America. I mean, in terms of retailer, it's not hard because uh, actually that's not mentioned a retailer. But in terms of like you know online, anywhere where you can find and do a Google search for the new album online, Facebook.com forward slash New Revolution or MySpace.com forward slash New Revolution or Twitter.com forward slash revolution. So you have all these outlets where you can, uh, you know, get directed to the album. Hey, this is Frank from New Revolution, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Booyah! I keep running away, still I find my way back home. All I can see is ashes falling from the stars. have a little a new revolution with ashes from stone the song that i mentioned to frank that was my personal favorite off the album want to thank frank for coming aboard and want to thank bill Mees from e1 for setting everything up and uh for those of you that don't know i actually have a spanish language podcast and radio show as well so when i do these ids i have the artist say something for my uh, Spanish show as well. Some people get creative, say a few words in Spanish and whatnot, but Frank said, you got to get Joey on here, the lead singer. Um, he's of Mexican descent, obviously, and he'll be able to uh, do an ID in Spanish. So uh, this is how that went. ¿Qué pasó? Es José con el grupo A New Revolution. Estoy aquí on Fusion. So I thought that was extremely cool that he came on and did that, talked to me for a few uh, minutes there, and um, just sort of informal, and we got him to do the the ID there. Very cool, uh, both guys, both Frank and Joey, and uh, look out for a new revolution when they come uh, to a town or venue close to you. The album is 
uh, pretty solid, as he mentioned. Modern hard rock, if you would. You know, you can hear in Joey's voice different influences from, I don't know, uh, from like Corey Taylor or even from Chad from from Mudvayne thrown in there. Uh, definitely a very, very cool album, so check out iAmerica if you have a chance as well. Um, furthering things with bass players, we have uh, Robbie Crane from Rat. Now, um, I mentioned a few different things to him like regarding being the new guy in the band and everything else, but he's been in the band for uh, close to 15 years, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, he's been with the group for a while. And uh, he's very candid with me, you know, he didn't pull any punches when answering any of the questions, and I think it's one of the best interview segments that I've done. Actually, I enjoyed talking to Frank a lot, too, and, you know, I enjoy talking to pretty much everyone that I have on the um, show. There have been a few curveballs that have come my way here and there. But uh, for the most part, you know, things have worked out pretty well. And, you know, when I try to do these interviews, I try to do more of, you know, a conversation as opposed to, you know, just, uh, as I like to say, the Trent Brockman interview where, you know, your typical, Hi, this is Victor from Mars Attacks, and we have Robbie from Rat. You know, that type of a deal, because, uh, you know, obviously... As a fan or as a listener, it turns me off. I'm sure it turns the artist off because, you know, most of the people that they're talking to either don't know or don't really care about the band. So, you know, and, and I'm not going to say that's everyone because there's a large percentage of people that do appreciate the various artists and do appreciate, you know, what they're doing. And, you know, I, I immensely appreciate Robbie coming on the uh, show and, and granting me this interview. So without further ado, we have a little rat in the background. This is the first track off of Infestation. It is called Eat Me Alive, a song written by Carlos Cavazo, newest member of the band. And uh, after this, we'll get right into the interview segment.
On the phone, we have Robbie Crane, bass player for the band Rat, and possibly one of the only people that have worked with both Motley Crue singers. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> well, you worked with Vince, and John Karabi wasn't Rat for a while, right? Uh, he definitely was, but Nikki, Tommy, and Mick also worked with. Oh, wait a minute! No, they never worked with. Oh, uh, you're right. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> you, you, out, outside, of, outside of the guys in Motley Crue, there you're probably the only person to work with both of them. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, that that's a definitely an honor. They're both awesome guys and two of my favorite singers. Cool. Very cool. And um, just real quickly, this is the only non-rat stuff that I'll touch upon. Years after sure. recording the album uh, Carved in Stone, what are your thoughts of that album? Because it was so different when it came out. Yeah. You know, Brent Woods, the guitar player on that, and I still talk a lot. And, and uh, we chuckle when we hear that record every once in a while. You know, we had a great time making that record. Um, when Michael, who's it, Michael Austin from Warner Brothers, right, and our guy at the time, came to us and said he wanted us to make a record with the Dust Brothers, we were like, the Dust who? <laughs> we were kind of chuckling at them as the producers. You know, we had never heard anything they had done. And um, he had given us a copy of the Young MC record with, like, you know, Bust and Move and all that, and, right. and Tone Lokes, you know, Funky Cold Medina, and, you know, the uh, Beastie Boys' uh, uh, Paul's Boutique album. And right. we were like, what? what? <laughs> Are you crazy? But, you know, the idea, once we met with John and Mike, the Dust Brothers, the two producers, we had realized that the idea was just so outlandish, it might be really cool. And right. um, Vince, Vince, I have to be honest with you, Vince really had, like, he was the only one that was sold on it. He was like, you know, no, this is going to be great. And I don't think we were sold on it, to be honest with you, until right. about a month or two in. And, you know, looking back on the record now, I think it was a really fun record to make. It was a little bit before its time. I mean, right. you know, the whole rock rap thing hadn't really, you know, taken taken hold yet. But, you know, it was a fun, fun effort, and it was a really good time. And uh, everything I ever did with Vince was so much fun. Vince Vince really took great care of us as, as a band, and uh, he, he really opened his heart up to us and, his, and as well as his wallet <laughs> and right. took really good care of everybody and – so, you know, I have nothing but fond memories at that time. And, uh, and uh, you know, looking back on the record now, I think it's a cool record for what it was, yeah. you know. It, it was what it was. So it was the Exposed record, and we had an awesome time making that record, too. You know, right. but a little bit of a different approach. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. I mean, obviously, Exposed is more of what people would expect from Vince. And, I mean, i got to tell you, there are a lot of cool songs off of uh, Carved in Stone that I think really, after all these years, do still stand up. And, and as you mentioned, you know, before Kid Rock became popular and a lot of other people mm -hmm. that did that years later, Carved in Stone was there. Yeah. So it was almost like a blueprint maybe for, you know, some of these other people after. So Yeah, the Dust Brothers were really great at that. They were they were great at they were the, one of the first artists to actually sample other people's stuff. Like that mm -hmm. Paul's boutique record. They said that uh if uh if you actually got the licensing all all of the proper licensing for all the samples they used, it would have cost like $20 million to make that record because <laughs> wow. they literally lifted that stuff from so many different records, all the samples and stuff. And it was before any of that was, you know, deemed illegal to do. And uh, right. yeah, the, the Dust Brothers were definitely at the, at the forefront of the, you know, cutting edge of technology and, and of pushing the envelope in, you know, the early, late 80s, early 90s. And uh, we're very happy that we were able to work with them. I, I dug working with those guys. They're really cool guys. Cool, very cool. And uh, I'm assuming you split from Vince because he went back to the crew, right? Um, yeah, kind of. You know, Vince and I, I was friends with Vince prior to joining the band, and uh, I was actually best friends with his brother-in-law. And, um, you know, I was at Vince's house every day, and he kind of finally just looked over at me and said, hey, dude, you want to be in my band? <laughs> because I was there every day anyways. And uh, I actually joined the band, although I've never played guitar in a band. I joined the guitar band as a rhythm guitar player to Steve Stevens. Okay. And, um, and, uh, I'd never played guitar ever in my whole life, so I kind of bullshitted my way through that all the way up to the recording of the record. And uh, Phil Susan from Ozzy was our bass player. So um, once we uh, – I don't have to get involved. Anyway, long story short, uh, I ended up back <laughs> on bass uh, during the recording of the record. And, uh, you know, I ended up leaving the band in 96. I think it was about two or three – no, it was a little – it was about seven months before I joined Rat. And um, the reason why is that, you know, we had gone through so much, uh, Vince and myself – uh, through our tenure together in the band, and uh, you know tensions restrained at the at the end of the band, and Vince and I, you know, decided to part ways at at that point, and um, it was it wasn't on the best of terms initially, but 
but you know, through the years, we've definitely become friends again, and I've been fortunate enough to play in his daughter's uh, golf tournaments, uh, charity tournaments, right. the past couple of years, and we've done a bunch of cruises together. And Vince is a great guy, and, and I love Vince, and I I appreciate everything Vince ever did for me because he definitely gave me my start at 22 uh, by allowing me to be in his band and play with that caliber of musician like Steve Stevens and Phil Susan and Vince and everybody. And it, you know, I definitely am very appreciative to Vince for everything. So I, I love Vince and I have nothing but respect. And to be honest with you, dude, I mean, what a trip being a kid from Hollywood. You know, I saw Motley at the Starwood when I was 13 to wow. be in a band with Vince. I mean, that's just, you know what I mean? It just, you know, it's just like, you know, every rocker's ultimate dream is to play with, you know, the guys in Motley Crue. And I was one of the few that were fortunate to do it. Right. And uh, sort of dovetailing that, you've been able to do that with Rat as well. I mean, if you're from, you know, Hollywood, the crew and rat mm-hmm. had to have been, you know, two of the bigger bands at that time, you know, to see them. Absolutely. Yeah, dude, you know, my friends in high school, you know, we have reunions and stuff every once in a while and they kind of laugh because, you know, I was notorious for being, you know, the kid in the mirror blasting the, uh, out of the cellar or the EP album and, you know, learning all the bass and dancing in the mirror, you know, playing the bass to the record. And my parents would walk in and be like, like, dude, what are you doing in here? You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, just like every other kid, you know, we all wanted to be in Rat or Motley, you know, or Van Halen. And, uh, and you know, it, it's, it definitely is an odd turn of events in my life. Um, I was very blessed after I left Vince's band. I, I got hired to do a tour for a band called Vertex, which was a, a Japanese release band that featured Stephen Percy on vocals and Alpha Charlie from Cooper on guitar. And uh, that's how I met Stephen and, and, you know, uh, I did that for three, four months with Steven, and a couple of months later, he asked me to join Rat. And um, so I was just in the right place at the right time, which is very much the story of my life. Like getting the Vince gig, sitting at the pool when he gets kicked out of Motley's band, and he's like, you know, he gets kicked out of Motley Crew, and he's like kind of sitting there, you know, a couple of days later, and he's like, I'm putting a new band together. I just recorded this song. You're invited. Your friend can come, and I'm doing a video, and you're in it. <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, had I not been up there that day at the pool at his house, I probably wouldn't have been in his band. And, and uh, right place at the right time. Same thing with Vertex, right place at the right time. And, you know, unfortunately, they couldn't rat at the time, couldn't work their things out with Juan, which is unfortunate because I'm a huge Juan Crucier fan. Right. And, uh, and you know, Stephen gave me a call, and I'm very appreciative of that uh, to Stephen. You know, and I, I've been in the band ever since. It's almost 14 years now. Right. And how many Juan questions are you asked? <laughs> oh, man. Um, not many. You know, I hold Juan in the highest of respects. I've, I've always told Juan that whenever he's ready to come back to his gig, it's always going to be here for him. Uh, I'm a huge Juan fan. And um, I'm a big rat fan, and I have nothing but respect for the band and the brand. And I would love to see Juan, God willing, one day reunite with his old buddies and, and play. You know, I'd be one of the people in the front row cheering him on. Uh, he's actually came out to a couple of shows, and, and I've just taken my bass off and gone, dude, get up here and play. You know what I mean? It's, right. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's the guy who did the, he laid the foundation for all of us in this band. He's one of the co-writers of all these great songs. And um, his band as much as anybody else's. Right, right. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you think it's sort of unfortunate that in recent years the media maybe has focused more on the drama surrounding maybe the relationship with Juan and the rest of the band and maybe, you know, Bobby with Steven and, and so on and so forth instead of focusing on the music? No, I, I don't feel unfortunate at all. Uh, we as a group have not given them anything else to talk about for the, the past 11 years. We haven't done any music. And uh, we've just been doing greatest, greatest hits tours. And um, so, you know, there has been a lot of drama that's gone on. So, no, I mean, it's, in, to a degree, it's all of our fault for not, you know, focusing on the tasks at hand and what's real and what what we can control and, and you know, our career as a band. I mean, I'm so thankful that the band is on a good foot right now and focused on, on, the, on the positive right now. We really... You know, I, 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 I've been in the band for how many years? Almost almost 14 years, and this is right. my third Rat record. And finally, I mean, in the writing process, I was like, finally, we're doing a Rat record. It's awesome. <laughs> you <Right>. know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, no, I, I don't feel at all bitter about that. I, I just, you know, I'm happy that, that now that we've done something good, that the that media is also focusing on the positive with us. Right. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And it's almost giving them, like, like the media is almost saying, well, finally you give us something good to talk about. <laughs> Instead right, right. of a lawsuit or a... Or a, or an SU or a, you know you did this to me or you did that to me you know what I mean right 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 absolutely it, um, do you think that the media exaggerates things to an extent when they talk up some of these stories or is it mostly dead on when when things leak out um no I, I you know 
the media the media is always going to exaggerate anything or embellish on it or make it a little bit bigger than it is. Look, okay. you know, you know, we've given everyone our their fair share of stuff to talk about. And um you know, I think that the media to a degree, you know, has they have a job to do as well. They have right. to, you know, get subscriptions or people to read their their blogs or or their magazines by them or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I respect that they have to do what they have to do. I dress up on stage so people will come back and see me on in concert again. So, you right. know what I mean? It's kind of a it's kind of the same thing, you know what I mean? Okay. And uh so you know, I can't be too mad at them for reporting. You know, I know that a lot of other musicians don't feel that way. Me personally, I, I'm a firm believer. And if you don't want two people to talk about you, don't give them anything to talk about. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's like, you know, mind your, my, my, mind your P's and Q's, which is the English for pints and courts. You know what I mean? And yep. uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. um, on infestation, which in my opinion, and not to kiss your ass or anyone in the group's ass, uh, to me, is one of the sure. best albums that's come out this year. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, there's thank you very much. There are very few albums. There's maybe one album that I could say is maybe slightly better, but I don't think that I've listened to it as much as Infestation, and I've been ranting about it since I first heard it maybe two months ago. So, uh, oh, thank you so much. I'm glad you like it. That's 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 all we ever asked for. <laughs> <laughs> well, real quickly, what's the difference between the recording process that went into infestation as opposed to the, um, say the album that was uh, recorded in 99. Well, uh, a key ingredient was Carlos Cavazzo. Um, you know, Carlos was in quiet riot. He co-wrote all of those great songs from, from the uh, mental health and everything. And, uh, you know, all the way up through, you know, condition critical, all those songs that he co-wrote on. So Carlos's songwriting absolutely was a, was a great asset. He picked up a lot of the slack where, I would say Juan and and we lost from Juan and Robin, uh, not being a part of the band anymore. And um, that was one thing that I saw as important. Number two, um, we did this record as a band. We we sat in a room, the six of us, the five band members, and uh, Elvis Bisquetta, producer, and uh, brought in our demos as well as worked up ideas right there in front of us, uh, including Eat Me Up Alive and Best of Me were actually worked up right there that were in Carlos's head. And... Uh, you know, I think it was that it was a band effort. I think that the old rat records were written as a band effort with, uh, you know, five guys in a room banging through each part. And no, I don't like that key and go to this key and change that time signature. And you do this on the bit. You know what I mean? I right. think it was a, just five guys in a rehearsal studio uh, banging through, banging out songs. And uh, I think it really came through in the 99 record. Uh, it was Warren and Steven writing with different producers and none of us huh. wrote. I mean, sorry, different writers. Right. And, uh, right. you know, we weren't really involved in the writing process of the group and um the label had like a format that they wanted uh you know the, the, the columbia had an idea of what had worked with other bands that they had worked with in the past and they they wanted to see the format work again with, with rat and they thought it would work if they just you know put them together with all the local writers and you know they hoped they would bang out the next dude looks like a lady and uh the reality was that that wasn't rat style and uh you know i, I think the record's a good record for what it is it's an honest effort it's mm-hmm. what we were doing at the time um, I think we overthought the process for me a little bit too much uh, on the 99 record, but you know, on the whole, I think the music's, you know, it's a good solid record. It's, it's not like it's completely terrible and it's not my favorite rat record as a rat fan and right. as a musician, but, um, you know, this record, definitely the infestation record differed because we wrote it as a group and I can't emphasize that enough, how important it is for, you know, a group to be able to bounce each other's ideas off of it. You know, Stephen Pierce, a, really strong writer and and uh it's infectious when you're around a guy like that as a, as a as a as a writer and um you know it was kind of a friendly competition that Elvis Bisquet put up with us too like who's bringing in the best song today so we would be home you know I would be up until one in the morning <laughs> demoing <laughs> different ideas you know my little pro tools rig and so right. Warren and Carlos would be Carlos would be with the little recorder you know writing away and Steven would always come in with like six or eight ideas I mean it just a real, really nice time for the band and a real cool time. And it was, you know, it was great to see everybody step up. You know, Bob had some great ideas that made the record and uh, it was cool, man. And the recording process, to be honest with you, was, was really neat. Cause we recorded it live in that, in, in a room in Virginia at Elvis Biscuit studio. Okay. And uh, it was cool, man. It was just a really good vibe. It was, it was like playing live. You know, we, we tried to capture that thing that we do live. And I think we really did a good job with Elvis and, and Dave Holdridge did a really good job at 
Right, right. Well, I, I would have to uh, agree with you. I mean, the the band does sound really tight on the album, and, and you do notice that sort of live feel. Um, yeah. Do you feel that Infestation will be a, a, a starting point to bigger and better things down the road for the band, or are you guys just looking to take things little by little with the album tour and then hopefully do another album down the road? You know, both. I think that the band absolutely has every intention of doing another album again down the road. Okay. Um, I think the majority of us would love to work with Elvis Muscat again and with Roadrunner and, and uh, Tom Lipsky from Loud and Proud. I think that they've all been a huge part of our team and a huge part of what's, what's made this record what it is. Mm-hmm. I think that um, I think they got Rat to believe in themselves again. Right. And um, not that I don't think Rat did believe in themselves. I just think that through everything that went on with us through you know, 2000 to 2006, you know, it really, you know, it's draining. And it's, it's uh, a lot of the stuff we went through was really difficult on the band. And, um, you know, we lost sight of who we were as musicians and what the true rat spirit was about. Right. And uh, I, think we, I think we really, from 2007 to now, have just focused on capturing that again and becoming a band again and, and focusing in on the energy of the band. You know, it's amazing that I haven't been in a band. I, you know, people used to always say, oh, it's the chemistry, you know, the chemistry. I never was in a band that had that chemistry. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I never knew what that meant. I was like, yeah, 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 the chemistry. I like that guy. I like that guy. But I never really gathered what the chemistry was. Well, I do now because Carlos was that little missing piece to our little crazy puzzle that we have. Right. And uh, the chem- the chemistry in the band's awesome. It's, it's really cool, man. It's, it's a, it's a great thing to see a band like Rat, who I'm an enormous fan of ever since I was a little kid, uh, right. you know, being being accepted in, in today's world. I mean, if you'd have told me that when I was, you know, 41, back when I was 15, that I was going to be in Rat and we're going to have a top 30 album in America, I would be like, you're crazy. But right. you know, here we are. You know, Rat is doing what they've always done. We tried. We didn't consciously write a record that we were, you know, looking at the charts, going, hmm, where could we fit in? We just wrote what we felt. We had no ideas or preconceived notions uh, that we would do anything. We just wanted to write a true rat record to be true to ourselves. Right. And, uh, and it's cool. It's cool that it's, you know, that people are, you know, in, it's kind of in vogue. I mean, it's kind of cool that people are like, Oh yeah, rat. I like that band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And, and I think the album is, as you mentioned, you know, a little bit more along the, um, the style that people are used to with the band, but at the same time, it does sound current and it does sound, you know, it doesn't sound like, the album should have come out in the eighties. It does sound like it could have come out then, but it also sounds fresh today. Oh, that's great. That's good. I, I think, you know, that's, I think that might be the maturity in the band, you know, mm-hmm. the maturity as musicians, but definitely Elvis and Dave, they, they captured those, the sonic thing that we were doing. I mean, that's always the problem, isn't it? Live on stage in the rehearsal room, you know, we sound how we sound, but it's whoever's miking us or engineering us or recording us. It's, it's kind of their job to capture that fire or that, that what we think is the energy of the room. And they, they did a great job at it, man. I mean, I'm re- really happy with it, you know? Right. Great. How many songs are you guys going to be playing live off of Infestation? We've been playing about five, four to five we've been playing live. Okay, cool. And, and you guys are rotating yeah. that or? You know, I, I think we're just, we, we started to rotate it and then we kind of got stuck on these five. <laughs> and then, um, and you, you know, you find your favorites, you find some that you think are amazing. You know, when we first got into rehearsal, Warren wanted to go through the uh, the entire album. And, you know, some of us were like, oh, let's just pick the ones we like and, and, and go move forward. But you know what? We started, once we started doing that, we started realizing songs like As Good As It Gets and uh, and A Little Too Much were strong songs live. Right. And that we wanted to, you know, bring them into the set, and and they work amazing live. I and mean, it's really cool to see a little too much, which is a song that our producer initially brought in, that mm-hmm. we all uh, worked up with him. It, it, it's it's great to see songs like that really, you know, come to life live. And it's cool, man. It's cool to see me up alive. I remember, I remember that was the first song that we worked on. That Carlos, you know, we all kind of looked at each other. Okay, who's got an idea? <laughs> you know what I mean? I felt like right. I was 15 again. <laughs> and uh, Carlos was like, well, I got this idea. And he just started playing Eat Me Up Live. And we were like, holy shit. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, it, it's just cool to see songs go from the, you know, infant stages up to, you know, the recording to where people are singing it live. And it's it's awesome. It's, it's a cool thing, definitely. Very cool. Yeah, I intend on seeing you guys on June 20th here in Bilbao, Spain. So should be uh, very cool. Um, Gear-wise, what did you use uh, in the studio as opposed to what are you using out on the road? 
Um, the same thing that I use in the studio is the same thing I'm using live, okay. um, except for one one head. Uh, uh, let me see here. I used uh, I have this uh, this late late fifties early 50, late fifty seven early fifty eight Fender Precision bass I used. I've had it okay. since I was sixteen or seventeen years old, and mm-hmm. I played it ever since. And uh, so I used that with Rotosound strings on the record, and I used um, one of my seventy uh, uh, Ampeg uh, SVT head. Okay. Uh, and I use bass through a uh, Marshall 4x12 cabinet with EV and ML speakers or whatever, 12. Okay. And um, and then I, I used, that was my clean sound. And then my dirty sound, I used a, like a late 60s, early 70s high watt, 100 watt okay. custom through one of my 4x12 cabinets with EV speakers. And, uh, you know, with my fingers. <laughs> and believe it or not, man, I recorded that whole record with one set of strings, believe it or not. No because kidding. I wow. tracked it. Yeah, because I tracked it so quick. I, I'm a... Uh, I'm a, a firm believer in, in changing your strings. I'm a huge Steve Harris fan and Bent Whistle fan, and you know, and I like that growl, that high endy just punch. And uh, they, you know, I I was able to record the whole record with a Rotosound. So go out and buy Rotosounds; they're awesome. <laughs> yeah, cool. I love them. I use the exact same rig live, except for I don't bring the high watt because high watt is kind of old and vintage. I just okay. replace the high watt with a classic series SVT, and I kind of dirties it up a little bit. Oh, okay. And the pickups and everything are stock on that Fender, or you change that over uh, the years? N- no, there. Um, I change. Uh, the, I have the original pickups. Um, my uh, it, it was my dad's bass at one time when I was a kid, and uh, I didn't want to ruin the pickups because I was drinking beer and you know acting a fool when I was in Vince's band. So I actually <laughs> took the original pickups out and I have them in a box. I actually have a uh, Seymour Duncan Antiquity ones in there. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what does it feel like to no longer be the new guy in the band? <laughs> well, I wasn't the new guy when Karabi joined the band. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but but uh, you know, I'm still the new guy, man. I mean, these guys have all sold millions of <laughs> records uh, individually and collectively, and I'm you know only too happy to be the uh, the wallflower on the wall. Hopefully, they won't notice that I haven't sold all those records and want to get somebody else. <laughs> but no, it, it you know it, it, again, if you would have told me when I was a kid, 15 or 16 years old, you know, growing growing up in Hollywood that I would have, uh, was going to be in a band with Choir, Carlos Cavazos from Choir Riot and, and Warren D. Martini and Bobby Blotter and Steve Pierce. I would have just laughed at you. But it's really an amazing thing they're, uh, to be welcomed by them. You know, uh, they're all super talented musicians, and they're all very focused on their craft. And, you know, it's just I try to work every day to keep my, uh, my uh, everything polished <laughs> and focused. And, uh, you know, it's an honor, and, and I, it feels great. Uh, so I kind of do feel like the new guy, to be honest with you, even though Carlos is the newest guy in the band. Um, he feels like I said the chemistry. He feels like he's been in the band for 20 years, and uh, he fits like a glove. It's amazing. Cool. So, not to be too cliche, but it could be said that you're living the dream. Absolutely. Uh, the dreams that I set out when I was 15. Absolutely. Yes. Hey, this is Robbie Crane from Rat, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Go get him. Real. You think you know everything 
want to thank Robbie Crane for coming on the show and granting us this interview. Also want to thank Richard from Background Noise over here in Spain, who helped set up the uh, interview with Robbie. Nothing but uh, helpful. Um, helping arrange this interview and uh, hopefully helping to uh, set up a, a bunch of others in the future with not only uh, other members of this band, but um, other bands that he reps over here in Spain. Um, also, uh, sincerely, I think Infestation is one of the best albums to come out this year. A Little Too Much, which is playing in the background, is my favorite track off of the album. And uh, there are very few albums that I think, um, you know, sort of come up to uh, snuff with this Rat album, in my opinion. You, know, you could have your own opinion and you could disagree with what I'm saying, but for me, this Rat album... Uh, the latest Overkill album, the White Wizard album, the Sick of It All, Danzig album, which is about to come out, the Y&T album that just came out, and um, possibly the Ishan album is the only other album that I could really maybe put slightly above all these others that I've mentioned. That album, to me, just blows my mind how diverse it is, how heavy it is, and at the same time, you have saxophones and all these other weird things going on so you know from from an experimental side you know uh, it's just really up there you know I really enjoy that album as well but back to Rat you know this album really brings them back to uh, where you know they should have been all these years and you know I think it should be used as a blueprint by a lot of bands from this era you know or from their era to use to sort of find their way back home, per se. You know, I'm all for people expanding their sound and modernizing things, but I think Rad has really done that. They've modernized their sound, and they've also capitalized on the foundation that they laid, which, or with albums like, you know, uh, Invasion of Your Privacy, Out of the Cellar, um, and, and even Detonator. You know, there are other albums where maybe they started veering off in other directions, and they were popular, but I don't think they have that same, like, meat and potatoes sound that perhaps um, even Infestation has. Um, this, to me, is one of my favorite Rat albums uh, that they've released, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd wish that other bands, um, some of my other favorite bands from that era, and even before that era that they use it again as like a blueprint to see you know uh, the right way to come back and uh, put something out because I gotta tell you there's really there isn't really a weak song on the album uh, and I, I do think Carlos does add an extra added flavor to the band that maybe was missing with that previous uh, self-titled release that came out back in the late 90s um, you'll also hear well we have Best of Me playing in the background the first single uh, Best of Me has like a real Van Halen type you know feeling to it in certain places and it fits in you know it's great the, the way that it just works its way into the uh, sound of the band but anyway, enough of me blabbing away. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks for everyone that made both of these interviews happen. And thanks again to Frank and Robbie for uh, granting me the interviews. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on Mars Attacks. If all goes pl- if everything goes as planned, we'll have Dan Lorenzo from Hades Nonfiction and the Cursed uh, on next week's episode or the next podcast I should say in the event anything else happens and uh, we will also uh, introduce you all to a new band from Long Island called Misery thanks again for listening and see you next time yeah, I'm gonna make you break, you got